Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Lili Sadugi, founder and chief creative officer of her namesake accessories brand. The brand made a big splash in 2018 with its pearl and jeweled headbands and has since expanded to product categories including handbags, eyewear, and home decor. I wanted to ask Lili about future growth plans, which I know include retail, and about her secrets to surviving 10 years in this crazy business. Welcome, Lili. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Jill. I'm so excited to have you. 10 years. Yeah. Congrats. Now, <laughs> now I said 2018, but um, yeah, so what was happening prior? A lot of things have been happening prior. I, I've been, you know, in the industry for a couple of decades now, right? And um, started my line. I had been designing jewelry for many years. Um, the the latest before I started my line was at J. Crew. Launched the jewelry there. Was there for five years and grew it to be a really big category. Um, and also had designed for you know Tory Burch among other places. And so when I started Lily Sadugi, it was primarily a jewelry company. And now we have like almost 15 different categories, kind of all accessories and continuing to expand. So it's it's really grown tremendously since then. Yes. What made you kind of, you want to branch out and do something on your own? I don't want to be in-house at, a, at a, an established retailer or established brand anymore. Well, it was the greatest education, really having that experience at big corporations, like I mentioned, gave me such a good background um, because I, you know, really f- was a designer, but working for these bigger companies, you had such interaction with merchandising, with copywriting, with planning, with production, with visuals, with everything. So in retrospect, it was just the greatest primer to me starting my collection. And I would say the reason why I branched off and did it, just a combination of feeling confident enough. I've got this. I've got enough experience under my belt. And also just life changes. I was recently engaged um, thinking, okay, I'm ready to have a family. And well, now I know I work more than I ever did before, but I work on my own time and hours. So just learning to be more flexible and just doing something on your own. Even going back further, how did you get into accessories? Is that something that you like go to school for and you know, I want to focus on accessories versus ready to wear? Why accessories? You know, it didn't even have to be accessories. I always knew I wanted to do something creative, something in the visual arts. And even at a really young age, I would always draw, collage, paint, photography, anything I could do using my hands to create something. And really just was always inspired by color and just anything maximal and over the top. So I actually started my career in fashion, in clothing, and worked with pattern makers. So had a really good basis for fabrications, kind of moved into trims, you know, did buttons and ribbons and bows. And then from there went into accessories. And I just fell in love with, um, with accessories, because I feel it gives a bit of a more more three-dimensional sculptural element with building of the pieces, like especially like jewelry and the construction and um, and that, which is just a different mindset than, than draping and pattern making. Well, tell me when you first started the business, what was the, the plan, the go-to-market plan? I'm going to design things I love. Then what? Are you launching an e-commerce site in 2011? Are you connecting with a retailer? What an interesting time. It was right before Instagram. It was when people could launch things. Maybe they didn't have a website. 
And um, I will say from the very beginning, um, coming off the heels of J. Crew, uh, you know, everyone knew the jewelry there, and a lot of people had collected pieces that I had been doing for the past, you know, five years or so. And so moving into doing my own line, um, I knew where to get it made. I knew what to do. I knew who to contact and all of that. I will say my husband was really integral in building a website. He's like, you got to have a website. You got to do this. I was like, well, let me see where I can sell it first. Our first sale was Neiman Marcus, which, you know, I'm in Dallas right now. So it's very special. Still today, probably one of our top accounts still. And um, so we did have the website. We did launch with it. Okay, great. Well, let's jump forward now. Yeah. Um, I you accessories like they, it often they often are described as extras, and I would think you know in the last two and a half years when everybody's maybe cutting back or prior, reprioritizing, um, would love to hear the impact on the business of of working from home of being at home more. Like, I th- it's surprising, I know, but tell me what what you saw. Um, well, when you just talk about cutting back, it's 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 a mindset. You might think you have your clothes, I'm going to cut back on accessories, but I think the exact opposite. I truly believe that you can invest in gorgeous pieces, in clothing, in a cashmere sweater, in a black shift dress, in a beautiful pink ball gown. And you know what? Rewear those pieces, but wear them with different accessories every time. So I'm wearing a white summer dress right now. I have worn this thing a hundred different ways. Maybe I have a straw hat. Maybe I have leopard glasses. Maybe it's a red headband. Maybe it's big chandelier earrings. So I do think that in times of when people are cutting back, happy, fun, maximal pieces that are maybe not breaking the bank are, it's really a good time for people to explore in that fashion. And you look so put together on Zoom right now. Did you lean into the opportunity to market around a Zoom look? You're only seen from, I don't know, the shoulders up. Well, I didn't really think about it that way. But now that you think about how people are sharing, they're sharing a lot through social, 99% through their mobile and framing their face. And a lot of what I make frames your face, whether it's a headband or glasses or earrings or, you know, whatever it is or hats. And so it's it's just been a very viral way for people to share their and express their fashion. And so it wasn't something that I had sought out in the categories that I make, but it's something that I realize is something fun for people to share. And, and Zoom was the perfect thing because I don't know what you're wearing waist below, but waist and above, you can look polished in a pinch just throw on some earrings and a headband and you're good to go. What happened in 2018? Was that when you first designed headbands and released them? Or was it that somebody amazing wore, wore your headbands? Why did why do we all know? Like that's when I probably got really hip to your headbands and to your style, which is so signature. Well, it's funny. And a lot of people say, you do headbands. I'm like, well, I also do, you know, I started doing jewelry and I do really believe that headbands is an extension of jewelry. It's, it's something that, you know, and we do jeweled headbands. I do jeweled everything. So, you know, for many years, especially when I was at J. Crew, it was about the neck and everybody's wearing like eight necklaces all intertwined and it was about the layering. And then it's been, it's just moved on up to the head. So it's that same idea where you're layering and you might be layering a headband, but with big chandelier earrings, it's, it's a similar effect to what it was. And I think so much fashion is cyclical. So 
it's going to get back to that. I'm going to move my head back down to around my neck and things change. But I think what does stay the same is just my love of just, um, just maximal like aesthetic of, of not just wearing a button down, but what can you do to really elevate it? How do you describe the style, the look of your line? It's a happy brand. You know, the people, and I just, I, we're, we're opening up a lot of stores right now. So I've done so many interviews with um, potential salespeople. And I, I like to say that the person coming into the store, the customer, she has her outfit on. She doesn't need something. She's not going to walk in, oh, I have to need something to go to work or to go to this event. They have that outfit. They want something special. So the people that walk into the store, the people that discover us online are people that love fashion, that they're happy. They want to explore. They want to try things. They want to elevate whatever basics that they have. Because to be truthful, like you and I could just show up in the same printed dress, but there is no way we're both going to have the same headbands, the same earring, the same handbags, the same sunglasses, and the same belt. So I think it's a great way to express yourself and not be a wallflower. Right on. Well, a lot of what you're saying almost kind of elevate your basics and um, kind of just throw this on. It reminds me, I very much come from the school of J. Crew marketing in terms of like obsessing over the style guide and Jenna Lyons and the emails and everything's with a wink and everything's. Anyway, tell me if you, I guess, borrowed from that playbook a little bit or what you learned there in terms of marketing that maybe or not, you're, go- you're, you're going a totally different direction. But I would think that it played into your marketing a bit. Well, you know, I, I think that it's two-part, that I think I was successful at J. Crew because it was an aesthetic that I truly loved. And to be able to launch a brand new category and, you know, going in there, and I remember meeting with Jenna, and she's like, here's a budget. What does J. Crew jewelry look like? Come back with the mood board. So I came back, and it just so happened, you know, that what I was envisioning could be and just having the honor of working for a heritage brand and starting a new category is amazing. And it, it, it worked, right? It worked where the aesthetic of what I like is big and bold and colorful. I think that it made me aware of interesting color combinations. Color was a big thing there. It's a big thing for me. And, um, and I think that What I did learn is that there are these big corporations, big companies that are very focused on clothing because that's maybe where most of the revenue is. And sometimes the accessories get thought about later. They're like the lost stepchild. So I realized that there was an opportunity to make these grand, beautiful pieces and focus on it because I know so many ready-to-wear companies, they do the clothing and then at the end of the day, like, okay, we got to add something quickly on top. We're doing a fashion show. I just want one earring. I'm going to have the same earring 20 times over with all the looks. But you know what? I think your accessories should change with every look. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sure I was inspired by everywhere that I've worked and you know, realized the importance of color and of changing and mixing and matching and, you know, learning and in, in, in my DNA too is mixing like colors and prints and, and, and stripes and all that too, which is something that, that I did at my previous jobs. Yes. With the prior, I guess, couple of years, now we're hearing like more is more and every statement, statement, let's go big fashion with a capital F. Um, 
you know, the trend for a while was the minimalist. I mean, I guess it depends on the girl. Um, but the dainty chains, the cool girl, barely their jewelry. Um, did that impact you or you've always had this unique customer? I think that jewelry specifically has really quick trends. And I've, I think it's so important as a company or as a designer or design-based company to really keep to your DNA. And I never did the little dainty things because that just wasn't us. And I think that we are known for that and being consistently sold in the same retailers, whether it's, you know, Neiman's, Nordstrom, Saks, wherever, um, we fit that girl, you know, they have somebody who does the little chains. They have somebody who does this. They come to us for the big, fabulous statement pieces. There's always that person. Um, there are some times when the trend comes your way and then you just like run with it. And I'm excited by what you're saying because it's, it's coming back in a big way. Yes. And I know plenty of cool girls that wear your stuff. I don't want to say that's not cool because I, I want to ask about influencers and who is your girl? I was on your Instagram and I saw Blair Edie with Atlantic Pacific and she's so fabulous. Um, she is. But yeah. And we worked <laughs> together at um, Tori Birch like uh, I guess over a decade ago. And so I've known her since then and it's such oh a smart God. person as well. And so we always talked about doing something together and it's been really successful. And I think that she gets the DNA of the brand and so it's it's really exciting. Who else? What other influencers? Do you have a robust really influencer program, whether like ranging from the micro people to the macro? Um, and yeah, do you lean on them heavily? I think that the marketing is changing so quickly that, you know, we're, we're always working with different people. I mean, so much of it is organic and they bought it somewhere and then you see wearing and it's exciting and you didn't even know they bought it. We also do gift to people who are kind of love to wear stuff too. So it's, I think what works best is something that's really, really organic where they, maybe they have a piece and they've worn it. And we're like, this is amazing. Like you got to get the bag that matches. So I think that's what's kind of working. And again, whatever we did yesterday is not working today. So it's always changing. Where are you investing in marketing right now? I mean, we do, you know, I think that everyone's on their phones. So we have so much on social, whether it's, you know, on Instagram or Reels or getting into TikTok and all of those things, because it's just, it's so fast. It's really fast. And I think our best newest advertising is all of our stores opening up. And I think that's just a way where people can see the brand, see all the categories in one space. Are you up to three stores or it's more than that right now? Um, we have, we are opening up New York very soon. I would say in the next 45 to 60 days. So in the end of the summer, we're opening up New York and we will have three. Um, and then we're slotting much more. I mean, I think we can open up probably four a year. So, um, working on that too. Oh, fantastic. What, what's behind this growth in terms of the retail rollout? Um, is it funding or have you been um, going to bat in that category? Not at all. We actually haven't had to take any investments. It's been great because we've been able to grow at our own pace. And so we opened up our first store in Dallas. I really wanted the connectivity because I moved here in the past year or so while the office is still in New York. So I'm back and forth every month. I'm kind of all over the place. 
but opening in Dallas was very meaningful and special growing up here. And, uh, it's done phenomenally well. And not only has the store done well, but our online customers in the area has also increased. So like I mentioned, marketing, it's just been a win-win. And same thing with, we just opened up in California in May. And then New York's our biggest customer base. So I'm very excited to see how that goes because we can even do same day delivery, which is huge for New York City. Oh, how great. Tell me your approach to retail, um, maybe beyond a point of sale. Is our experiences key? Um, is it large scale, small scale? What are they like? The good thing about accessories is you don't need that much space, right? So the idea of the store is that it's one big dressing room. And all the people I have to interview, every single person that is, you know, going to work at the stores, because it is really important that you really capture the spirit of the brand. Like I mentioned before, that it's a happy brand and joyful and colorful. And, you know, again, the people that are walking in want to try things and want to explore things and collect things. The amount of headband collectors we have, we'll have people come in and buy like a dozen at a time because they just love them. They place them. They're, you know, they're on top of a beautiful dresser in the bedroom. So you can just stare at all the jewels all day long. And they're, they're really like fun, collectible, special pieces. So it was really important to have the store be an open concept where you can touch, you can play. It's very tactile. There's mirrors everywhere. You try on, come in with your friend and just explore and maybe come out with something that you didn't think you were going to get. For sure. Did you happen to get to land these stores um, during the time where you people were still getting deals? <laughs> Anything that you maybe wanted to work into these um, contracts that, that was crucial, having learned from the past two years? We didn't really get any real estate deals. The first store we opened in Dallas, which is in Highland Park Village, um, you get invited. You have to be invited. It's a family-owned um, like a shopping center. And so you take it. I signed the lease. I didn't even see the inside of the store because it was deeper into COVID. I was in New York at the time and I had met the owners you know, when I was there the summer before. And so um, that's a place where you're fortunate if you get to be in there. And, um, you know, I do think, I would say in New York, we're going to open up on Bleecker Street. And I feel that I moved there over 20 years ago and that was the place. You know, you went to Magnolia, you went to Marc Jacobs, you walked down that street. And that's where we're opening up, right a block from Magnolia, right over there. And there's so many new brands right there. Like Sarah Jessica Parker is going to be our neighbor with her shoes. And, you know, there's there's like eight different brands, a few of which which we've had collaborations with. So we know that we have a, a great, you know, synergy with customers. And so I think that, you know, maybe definitely the rent is better there than it was 10 years ago. What are your expectations for that store, maybe in year one? Expectations like, um, well, I don't know. You know, it's like five, 600 square feet. And so we haven't put like a revenue per se on it, but we'll, we'll know shortly. But I do know that it's going to do well because all the data of our online advertising and our online sales, you know, is that New York is our highest um, database of, of customers. So We've got the most excited people. Yes. As you open stores, um, you mentioned several retail partners. Is a focus on 
owning more of the the sales, um, moving more direct? We have, and I think most businesses during COVID increased their direct business. Our wholesale business has been growing and been very strong because each season, you know, within the headband category, there is no one that compares to us for breadth, color, style, and size. There is no one. And prior to starting headbands, none of these department stores even carried them. Neiman's was saying, we haven't had them since the 80s. So it took a while, like, who's going to be the buyer? Was it the cold weather hat buyer? Was it the jewelry buyer? You know, it took a little bit to figure out. And so we're definitely the category leader there. And then within jewelry, I've had these partners for over a decade now. Um, and so it's been really exciting when we just added, you know, some of them have now picked up their bags and they're like, well, we love what you do. Let's try you in belts. Let's try you in sunglasses. Let's try, you know, all the different categories. Whenever um, stores were closed and you were relying heavily on your on your website, um, did you kind of get fancy with your tech? Did, would maybe virtual try on or or what? Um, what were you able to do there? I'd say the opposite of fancy, and I think that worked because it was like I'm just going to go live. I've started this happy hour because what else are we going to do? We scratched our whole marketing plan during COVID, and I started to do these happy hours every few days. You know what, guys? Let's pick an item going to be half off for three hours. Come join me for a cocktail or just to hang out or just to talk. And we're just going to tell you about things that we're doing. And you tell me about things that you want to have or to wear or anything. And I think that really resonated with a lot of people. So I continue to do them. That's great. And this is all on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. I had never even done a live before, before the pandemic started. And now, I mean, I just did one yesterday. I do them all the time now. Yeah, prior did did they know what Lily looked like? Had you been the face of the brand prior? So yes, the face on Instagram, but not so much on video and knowing and hearing me or or learning about my life. And I think that kind of glimpse inside that you know what I'm just like you guys or you see you know work hard. I'm up late, up in the morning, doing things and asking questions. I think people love that. I hope they do because I'm talking about it. <laughs> And that's translating to sales is that immediate, whatever is discounted at the time is a hit for the day. Yeah. Yes. That's for sure. Yes. Perfect. Well, tell me, you mentioned, um, I guess, exploring TikTok that's happening now. Like what's been your approach? Yeah. Happening now. I mean, we're growing as our marketing team. We're hiring more people. We're figuring out the best way to do things. You know, it changes where you do these beautiful still photography. And I think what's really resonating with people now is um, just having more fun, being more casual. And I think that really does align with with our brand too. Let's talk collaboration. Speaking of marketing, um, who makes sense for you as a collaborator? Is that, gosh, do you have a cadence? Maybe you do one a year, two a year. So much was has been organic with, um, even when I did brands uh, like Love Shack Fancy, um, her kid, her daughter was at school with my son and we'd see each other at carpool and that just kind of happened. You know, they've just been different things or maybe it's been a store that's next to our store in Dallas and we just start talking and we have synergy there. Um, So we don't have a specific cadence. I think it's really about when it's the right alignment and when that happens. Um, I mean, it was really bittersweet when I did a collaboration with J. Crew and Crew Cuts because yeah, I worked there for so long. And it was actually someone that I worked next to. She then became the head of Crew Cuts and she called me. She's like, Do you want to do something? I'm like, uh, Yes, I would love to. And so that was really, that was really special. Um, some things we have coming up, I would say we're doing another Barbie collaboration. 
I mean, and Barbie's Barbie been in the done. news every, I know, it's been in the news every day. So this is something we've been working on for a really long time. Actually, just having a call later today about a campaign I did, my daughter and I shot it last time. So we might do a little campaign together again. So, you know, working with it, with all these like amazing, iconic brands, new young brands, we're looking to do some more sustainable things. You know, we can always use like overstock fabric. There's so many things that we're exploring right now. That's exciting for sure. You, I know that you also sell um, children's wear, kids wear, um, kids accessories, not clothes, accessories. Um, when you do collaborations, do you think of it as kind of a, a test bed, a trial run for a new category? Is that how you explore before you go there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we tested kids and that just happened that I had, my daughter was three or four years old and she was ready to um, old enough to keep the headband on her head. And I was like, oh, we've got to make it for her. And so that's, that's why I even started headbands because I had two kids the first two years of my business and I didn't have time to do my hair and I just wanted to throw something over it to look a bit polished. And that's why that happened. But, um, it, yes, you have so much opportunity to test. We just tested these, um, collars, like more like Dickies that you wear under your sweater. Yes. And who's doing that? Where can you buy that? Who's doing it on a designer level? Like, not that many people. And that's kind of what happened with headbands where, yeah, you can buy them at the drugstore. You can buy them online, but where can you buy a thought out designed piece that constantly comes up with new ones all the time? There really wasn't that in the market. Oh my gosh. Bring back the Dickie. I love yeah. the Yeah. <laughs> yes. We have some good ones coming out for fall, like really cute, like white collared with little black bow ties, little um, soft silk scarves. So that's, that I think that could be fun. That sounds so fun. That seems to open the, like that may open the door for, for more clothes. It could, it could. Ready to wear line. Or I feel like shoes could make sense. Shoes. Anywhere you don't want to go. It's just like the Um, sky's the limit. I mean, I'm playing around with shoes. We're playing around with home, as you mentioned before, like wallpaper and prints and things like that. Um, Love to, I love to entertain. So I'd love to do more tabletop and home and um, just been redoing my house here. So that's been really rewarding. Um, Anywhere I don't want to go. I don't have plans to do clothing yet, but I'm always going to say yet because, you know, there's, there's a lot of expansion that can happen in the next 10 years. Yes. Excited to follow. Tell me what's weighing on your mind now. Inflation, looming recession. Are you, are you, um, yeah. Is this keeping you up at night? Everything's keeping me up at night. Um, but I think the quick changing of marketing and how you amplify your voice is what is changing so much. So I feel like that part to lean in and just to be like free yourself of like, I know I did it this way last time. I'm not going to train myself to do it the same way again. I got to think of a different way to do it. So I'm up at night. Just, it's really about innovation, innovation in design and innovation in like how you speak and and how you get how you, how you market. Yeah. Did your supply chain get like shaken up? Any changes there? I mean, everything's changed with delays and increased labor and increased materials and all of those things, but we have been able to maintain our price points and we've been able to really maintain deliveries. So, um, we've been really fortunate. We have a great team that's just on top of it. Great. Tell me about your team. You mentioned um, your home base of New York for the, for the business. Yeah. Um, yes. Are you guys uh, in office? Uh, maybe where are you looking to hire? What's going on? 
We are in office. We're doing hybrid. I think a lot of people are doing that and it's working right now where we're in collaborating with people working separately. You know, I'm in every few weeks. Um, we're doing it. I've been on like 12 Zoom calls already and it's the middle of the day. And, um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're able to get it done. And I think I would never have thought about being in Dallas prior to the pandemic because now I know that you can do all of these things remotely or figure out a different way to do it. In terms of investing in the company, in, in the people, are there certain departments that you're maybe um, looking to expand right now? Well, I mentioned too that the direct business is growing really fast. So I think that's um, would involve the marketing team because yeah. there's so many different channels where you can amplify your voice, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or, or doing different lookbooks or an old-fashioned billboard. Whatever it is, it just requires so much more assets and I believe that design is the like really focal point of where you should start in a fashion company. So um, I always put those ahead of anything else. And um, we do all in-house assets, like all graphics, all photography in-house, all design in-house, everything has our touch on it. So um, those will always be really important to us. Fantastic. Well, what can we expect from you for in the next 10 years if you had to make a bold call? Lots <laughs> of more in 10 years. sprinkling in stores in your area, places where, you know, because before in these big wholesalers, we had a different buyer for jewelry, a different buyer for handbag, different buyer for headbands, and they were all in three different areas in Neiman's or wherever you are. And now you can walk in, you can see it all together and you can Try it on all together. That is my dream. And for people to be able to walk into the world and just get the brand, whether they're looking virtually on our social platform or physically in the store, that is what we want to perfect and what we're investing in. Awesome. Fun question to, to wrap up. Tell me about your headband collection. You're wearing one today. Are you representing every day via a headband? <laughs> yes. Um, I have represented three different headbands today alone. I was not wearing this earlier in the day. So um, all the time, like I said, too, like I might wear this white dress all the time, but I'm going to wear it 500 different ways. And that makes me happy. And you'll never see me wearing the same thing, the same accessory all the time. We have a lot of uh, founders, entrepreneurs who listen. Um, and just looking back, um, getting your brand off the ground, I, it seems to me that that um, prior experience Working with other brands was very valuable rather than, you know, coming straight out of school. Um, but yeah, I guess the biggest learning and learnings in terms of getting the company off the ground, what would you say? The biggest learning from getting my company off the ground is you are never ready to start. Don't wait for that time when you are ready. You know, for me, I started and I had two kids in the first two years and it was tremendously challenging and tremendously rewarding. You can do it. You can get it done if it's something that you love. If you're lucky enough to be passionate about what you do, you'll figure it out. And hopefully you surround yourself with people that can support you and help you. And I'm a big fan of, I don't need to hire, like, it's not about the quantity of people that you hire. It's really about the quality. So get the best people around you and, um, and, and have that support and then, you know, you'll be successful. Yes. Is 2022 your your best sales year to date? Is that right? 
We have, I mean, we've had record revenue since pandemic and we're just growing and it's super exciting. And with the addition of the stores, I mean, everything's been awesome. Amazing traction. If you had to say, um, like to, to maintain your trajectory, maybe, I don't know, hit the gas more, like is um, fundraising a, an option? Are you looking into that or you're... Never say never. How would you feel? Never say never, but it's not something that we're doing right now. We don't need to do it right now. Um, we have, we're, we don't have that outside pressure to grow quickly to make a bottom line. And we've been able to be thoughtful. And that's what's so rewarding. And no plans to sell ever. <laughs> don't I say never say never. never. I never say <laughs> never. Awesome. Well, we'll be following you. You keep us posted. Amazing. Lili, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.